Hello, podcast. Claire Tuning here, your friendly, intuitive eating, pun loving dietitian, reporting for duty here on episode 62 of the Yours Chewy podcast. So, whether this is your 62nd time tuning into the podcast or your first time hanging out with us here, I'm so glad you're here and I want to extend a big ol' internet hug of gratitude for you for spending a little bit of time with me here today, wherever you might be in your life. So I'm excited for this episode because it's a little bit different than some of the stuff that we typically talk here on the Yours Truly podcast. If you tuned in last week for episode 61, you'll know that I did a little bit of a myth-busting session talking about are we really allowed to eat after a certain time of the evening and also processed foods. It almost escaped me what the other what the other myth was that we busted. But I wanted to kind of continue along the theme of myth busting and adding a little bit of nutrition science without getting too sciencey, but some information here to abolish some myths that are commonly talked about and that are commonly portrayed on the internet like they are the end-all, be-all truth. So if stuff about processed food and eating after a certain time of the day interests you, be sure to go back and check out episode 61, but I figured we would keep on our theme of myth busting because here with episode 62, I'm having an, an interview or a conversation with one of my fellow dietitians and one of my friends. His name is Andres Ayesta. Did you like my little, my little <laughs> roll of the tongue? I'm trying to get better at pronouncing names correctly, but we have a conversation about some myths around the keto diet, which if you've been in the internet space for more than two seconds, you've probably heard about it. And we also dip our toes into Whole30. So before I get ahead of myself and before I kind of preface the episode and let you know what we're getting into, we have to, of course, go with our weekly tradition of checking in with the Yours Truly Goal Slayer. So if it's your first time joining us or you haven't hung out with us here before on the pod, Uh, I always feature a post from my free private Facebook community to help shed some light on what navigating through an intuitive eating adventure actually looks like and some of the content that we cover there. So the post that I want to read today comes from one of my current one-on-one coaching clients who is doing amazing work and I couldn't be more proud of her. So she writes... This evening, I had my call with Claire and we recapped some progress I made and the one tip that I have from this journey so far. Show yourself some compassion because you can't hate yourself healthier. Moving forward, I'm working on facing my fears and setbacks holding me back from accomplishing my goal of moving more freely. Looking into the main thought behind my holdups and reframing it to serve me rather than hold me back. The other thing we touched on was letting the reins go on how strictly I want to control my food preparation. Having some meal plans, but not being so rigid and showing myself some compassion when life doesn't go the exact way that I want. And then she writes, happy three months. So something that I always do with my one-on-one clients, which is what she's talking about here with the happy three month, is I do reassessments throughout the coaching process because we 
go throughout many stages and ups and downs in this journey. And some of the things that we thought we needed coming into a journey like this might shift and change and fluctuate over time. So I really try to make an effort to reassess as I go throughout this adventure with my clients so that we can be sure that we're on the same page and that they are feeling heard and cared for and that this process is really aligning with everything that they feel like they need. So... A big shout out and thank you to this goal slayer for posting her takeaway from our call and for sharing a little bit of value with everyone else in this community. And speaking of this community, if you are listening to the podcast and you want to come join us, then here is your invitation. So this community is private, but it is free and open for anyone to join who wants more information along an intuitive eating journey or wants to hear from other people on their own journey so that they can share, they can feel supported, and they can navigate their way through this journey in the most effective way possible. So if you're interested, there are a couple of ways that you can find the application needed to join. So the first way is to find me on Instagram at Claire Tuning. Click the link in my bio and you will see the application for the private Facebook community. Submit that and I will reach out to you. The other way, if you are not on Instagram, is you can simply go to Facebook and type in the search bar, the Yours Truly Goal Slayers, and then our community will pop up. All you have to do is hit request to join, and then I will message you privately. So be on the lookout in your inbox for the application there to join, and we would love to have you and to learn alongside you. So without further ado, da 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 fancy transition music as we always do here on the pod. As I was mentioning a couple of moments ago in the intro to the intro, I feel like we have a a couple of introductory segments here on the Yours Julie podcast before we get to our featured content. But as I was mentioning, today's episode is going to be a little bit different in that we're digging into a couple of topics that have gotten a lot of attention recently in the nutrition field. And we're going to do a little bit of education, some myth busting, and hopefully you will walk away from this episode with a better understanding of what these approaches entail and how they're actually maybe not that well suited for everyone, even though social media and the internet would make it appear as if that everybody should do keto and everybody should do Whole30, but that might not actually be the case once you learn the methodologies behind these approaches, why they were developed, what populations they do have implications for. So again, I hope you will walk away with just a better, a little bit more scientific understanding so we don't have to be fully relying on the wealth of information that we may have on the internet that might or not be that helpful or that scientifically backed. So the person who I am bringing on the podcast today is someone who I have had the wonderful opportunity of getting to know and connecting with for what seems like over a year now. I believe it's been over a year, if not a year exactly, that I have known and been able to connect with Andres Ayesta. So again, I'm working on rolling my R's so I can pronounce his name correctly. If he's listening, I hope he very much appreciates that. But he is a fellow registered dietitian who I'm in the same business mentoring, business coaching group with, but he has a very different approach to nutrition with his personal one-on-one 
clients than I do. He takes a flexible dieting approach, which to anyone who doesn't know those words or those might be some new words, that kind of means a macro tracking, more numbers, more weight focused approach than what I take as a non-diet registered dietitian. So what you might be thinking is, Claire, what the heck? How in the world can a non-diet dietitian and a flexible dieting dietitian have a conversation and learn from each other and hold the space to not be at each other's throats all the time, right? Because I think if you head out into social media, it might seem as if there's a lot of differing opinions, and that is a correct assumption because there are a lot of opinions, and that's not a bad thing whatsoever because everybody is going to resonate with a different approach. And that's really what I love here about having the podcast is I have the ability to bring on practitioners who are very well qualified and they're very well versed. And even though they might have differing opinions or differing approaches, we can still learn from each other and we can kind of go back and forth on helping our audiences to understand what certain things mean, helping our audiences to find the things that will work best for them. And of course, doing the thing that every registered dietitian loves to do, busting some myths that may not be all that true when we talk about a lot of different nutritional approaches. So again, we have very different nutritional philosophies, but what we are focusing in on here, when we're talking about the keto diet and Whole30, Andres really has so much knowledge and information on why, especially the keto approach was even developed, who is it for, who is it not for, and shedding a lot of light on some of the gray areas that kind of get um, over looked a lot of the time. So I really hope you'll be able to learn from him and tap into his knowledge. I know I even learned a couple of things in this conversation. So by no means are we using this episode as a way to tell you that you have to go keto or you have to do the whole 30. And I would really hope that anyone who listens to this podcast and you know my approach, that is not the intention at all, but rather it is to educate and to give you a better understanding about what these two things even mean and how it might actually not be the right thing for everyone, again, unlike it is often talked about in the media. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Andres Ayesta. Enjoy! Welcome to another episode of the Yours Julie podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. Welcome to yet another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. So I'm sitting here screen to screen with my good friend, Andres Ayesta. Um, so welcome. You like that little tongue roll that I tried to yeah, do there? With you today? Yeah, that was really good. I, um, I try very hard. I took five years of Spanish. I sat for the AP exam. So I never really had the accent down. But when I hit record, I was like, Claire, you got to give it a try. So um, for anyone who maybe doesn't know you, 
doesn't follow your content yet, why don't you give a little bit of just who you are and what you do on the daily? Awesome. Well, first of all, props to you for your perfect pronunciation of the R or the R. <laughs> you know, it, it rolled it roll right out of, your, out, out of your tongue. So that was really good. Um, yes, like I said, my name is Andres Ayesta. Like for uh, for the gringo, sometimes I introduce myself as Andres, uh, Andres or whatever the way <laughs> you want to call me. But I'm a registered dietitian, uh, nutrition coach, mostly online. Um, originally from Venezuela. So I've been here in the U.S. for about 10 years or so. And I came here in my grade um, and became a dietitian while I was here. And my goal is always like being to pursue uh, or like I wanted to be a doctor when I was actually starting my schooling after like high school. I usually I used to wear like dentoscopes and things like that when I was growing up, like I would put like all this like doctor gear. So I knew I always wanted to kind of like be in the health aspect of things. And my dreams came crashing down whenever I didn't get into med school which was like a huge disappointment. Um, ended up going to like an exchange. I was an exchange student in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And that kind of gave me a lot of time to like rethink a lot of the different things. I ended up going back home. I started the new, I started like school, but then essentially they said, Hey, you can start this thing called nutrition school, like dietetic school. And then you can jump and hope over, hope over to uh, medical school after a couple of semesters. Here I am, 10 years later, never did it. Um, I realized that, you know, our, our job as dietitians is to be able to provide quality of life and, and to prevent diseases, not necessarily treat them. So that kind of changed my entire perspective on, on the whole aspect of health. And now I help and teach usually men improve their health and body composition through uh, different dietary practices and, and nutrition programs to, to accomplish their goals. So. I love that. And I I knew because I've talked to you multiple times before you've had me on your podcast and I've heard a little bit of your story that you wanted to be a physician um, and then you've realized, hey, I don't have to wear that white coat to help people, I think is what you've told me before, yeah. which has really stuck with me. But I never kind of heard that full backstory of you being an exchange student, being in the middle of nowhere and having the option to hop back to med school, but you actually didn't. So maybe this is a little bit of a rhetorical question because I know how much you love what you do now. I think anyone who follows you can see that, but are you happy you went the nutrition route instead of the med school route? I am 100%. And, and a lot of times like, you know, part of me also grew up in a, in an environment where, you know, we, we went through rough times financially, my family and I. So obviously I was, I grew up in this amazing, you know, household, like we live in a big house and everything. And then my dad's kind of business took a hit and we ended up losing pretty much everything. So um, we ended up, we ended up in a farm. Uh, it was it's a crazy story, but we ended up in a farm. He bought a farm to try to like pursue his dreams. I remember my dad, like literally reading like, like dozens and dozens of agricultural books. So, and this has nothing to do with the nutrition side of things. You would think like, oh, that's where the whole thing started. No, it didn't. Like, I was like, I actually kind of hated that whole aspect. But then um, one of the, the, the point I'm trying to make is like, you know, I saw my family going through really rough times for us. And, you know, and, and it actually got to a point, I, I remember reading one of the things in my um, and one of my dad's like, he was in a journal. I just found like a little note in there that says like, God, please help me to provide for my family. And that really 
like hit it with me. And one of the things and, and the reasons why I wanted also to be a doctor in a part is because you kind of hear doctors make a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know? So like, oh, like, well, I, I want to be able to provide for my family. I don't want to go through rough times and stuff like that. And, and part of me, I wanted to go the physician route because of that. And I realized that I actually went to a therapist at that point. And that's, she's the one that told me like, doctors are not the only one that wear coats and you can make your career whatever you want to if you actually love what you do. So here I am 10 years later working from home, helping people, you know, see their smiles and, and, and all like the, the fulfillment that, that I get just by under, by, by helping them achieve something that they can do on their own, but they don't know how. And, you know, to answer your question, am I happy? 100%. You know, I'm building my dream. Um, you know, it's a successful business too. So then the financial aspect is growing and getting better every day and is doing the stuff that, fulfills me which is helping people improve their their life and that's exactly what you know where i am today Mm, mic drop um (laughs) and and i think there i guess my my question would be have you written that therapist a thank you note (laughs) i actually need to find i need to find like i need honestly i need to find her contact i probably can because this is back in venezuela and i literally remember going into that room and she was like you because like when you go to a therapist like i had no idea what i was I needed, I, I was expecting. And, and me and my fiance, we were talking about, we want to go to therapists like, you know, soon, because mm-hmm. I think it's like something important. Um, and, and I did not know what to expect. And I sat down and one of the things about me is I'm really self, I create, I'm, I'm good at creating self-awareness about things and where I'm at. And I sat down in this like chair and I remember like, okay, listen, so this is exactly where I'm at. And like, I laid out the whole entire thing and she's like, and she just looked at me and smiled. And, and this is literally all she said. She's like, listen, man, like I, you seem to be, you know, having your life in order. The only thing is you have like this, this, this thing of not knowing exactly where you want to go, but then it may just simply be, that's when she said the whole thing about the code. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense. So yeah, I need to, I need to reach out to her and says like, you have no idea how, how much you changed my life with just those, those couple simple sentences that you told me back then. Yeah, right. That would be, I don't know, I feel like that would be a really cool experience for both of you because maybe you walked out of her office and you never saw her again, but little does she know here you are 10 years later doing what you love and helping people. I don't want to say in a non-traditional way because it's through nutrition and a preventative measure, but it's definitely not what you set out to do. Um, And I love that story about your family too. I definitely would have been one of those people who assumed like, oh, he had experience on a farm. He must love nutrition because he grew up with animals and, you know, homesteading the land. But um, I love how you pull something different out of that story as well. So Something that I kind of want to pivot to after hearing some of your backstory and what you do now, I hope anybody who is listening or who follows your content knows or can tell that you're very knowledgeable about a lot of different things in nutrition. Like, heck, if you wanted to be in med school, if you were like on that track, you're very science-minded and you know the details of everything and really how the body works. That's where nutrition and med school kind of fit together, but you branched off. But something that I really admire about your content and what you do is whenever I read one of your posts or one of your infographics and the way that you describe how the body works or how food impacts the body, you make it very um, pun intended digestible. (laughs) I I always come away from your posts having learned something new or having a better way to 
describe something nutrition related that maybe even myself as a dietitian couldn't do before. So something that you highlight a lot on your page and that we even talked about before pressing record is all of these different fads and these different diets out there that have claims behind them that may or may not actually hold that true when we look at the science behind them or maybe even how sustainable or realistic they are for people in the long term. So I guess my first question for you is before we get into the nitty gritty of maybe a couple of them, what from your perspective or or what are some of these fad diets or trends that you see happening most often here in 2019, right? Because they change in the ebb and flow with times, but there are definitely a couple ones right now that are super hot. Um, So what are they from your perspective? So before we define them, it's important to understand why people do them. And I mm-hmm. think the, 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 the definition and the reasoning behind why they're called fat diets, like they go hand in hand. Because a fat diet is, is sometimes there are trendy methods that exist to achieve a specific result, which oftentimes and most of the time is going to be what most people search for in the diet and industry, which is weight loss. Mm-hmm. So essentially a fat diet exists. And, and a lot of times it's a, it's a, it's a method that's been around in some cases for centuries. They just put like a, I, I'm going to call it like a bow and a tie, like, and then they just kind of make it pretty. And then, and they just kind of like repackage it to really turn it into something that has been around forever. So as an example of that, when you look at like one of the typical ones that you, uh, that you hear about is going to be like paleolithic that di- like diets, like that's just essentially eating, you know, a combination of meats, lots of vegetables, limited grains or no grains, and then limited dairy or no dairy. So that's just wholesome wholesome nutrition. That's just like how we should kind of be consuming foods. They just kind of package it in a way like, okay, this is what, you know, our ancestors ate. This is what, you know, the cavemen ate. This is what, you know, like our old people in the Paleolithic areas ate. So, you know, it, this is exactly how we need to we need to live, and then you kind of go into all these different options and then different things because humans are always looking for the next big thing. You know, when you think about technology, you know, what are you have? You have an iPhone, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Or or mm-hmm. an Android. You know, you're not carrying a like a Motorola. Like I think uh, the I think the first phone I had was called a Patagonia, which was like the first ever Motorola f- cell phone. Because you want the next big thing. You're going, you're progressing with technology. And it happens also with the dieting industry or in nutrition because you want to he- you want to do what other people are doing. You don't want to kind of fall back behind because that doesn't really sound as sexy on school. So people revolt to in these fads or these methods as like a quick sort of solution to whatever is like, you know, problems that they're having with their weight loss. And the second thing that would define a fat lot, like a fat diet would be a promise of an, an almost unrealistic result, like lose like 20 pounds in like four weeks, like lose all these different things. And I feel like, and again, I don't need this definitions. I'm coming up on my own because I just feel like this is like the typical things that I, I tend to, to characterize this type of uh, methods and it's again, it's like it's it's the promise to something unrealistic, and and the next big thing that it's usually guided by that peer pressure that everybody else is doing it. That's actually how those become famous, and I think that's the way you kind of like I would describe them. 
Mm-hmm. And I think too, something that you pointed out there that I was kind of gathering when you were speaking is we as humans, and, and I was actually talking to one of my clients about this yesterday, like people come to a dietitian and they think it's just going to be a physical, a physical process, right? Like eat these foods, move your body this way, and then achieve a certain result. But in reality, it's a very big psychological process as well. It's really wrapping our brains around how to think about food and how to, how to think about food in a way that supports all realms of our health. But something that she said to me is she said, Claire, I had no idea this process was going to be so mental, so psychological. And I said, yes, like welcome to the real version of nutrition, because it really is unlearning a lot of stuff and relearning it in a more positive way to support you. But something that you said there that I really came away with was, I think we as human beings, we want to fit in and we want to be part of a greater movement or a greater message because that's like a a survival technique, right? Like if we're left alone, like our, our mutual friend and mentor, Tony Stefan always says, if everyone's over there by the fire, huddled up, getting warm, you know, roasting their meat over the fire, because you were talking about paleo a couple of seconds ago, and we're the loner over here out in the cold, then we're going to feel like we're missing out on something. We're not going to have that sense of camaraderie. So I think um, with like the, the promises that are very huge with these diets, I think something that they also promise is a sense of like, come over here, you won't be alone because everybody else is doing them, right? Yeah. Or look at all of the books that we're selling and all of the supplements, like you'll be part of a movement if you come over here and invest in this, invest your time, your energy, your resources. So I think in addition to what you said, which was really powerful to just help people identify what these things are, right? Like, does it have a big claim in a short amount of time that seems unrealistic? And also, is it kind of, I don't want to say cultish in a way, but you know how, how when we talk about food, it can be very cultish. It's like, come over here, live with us or else, (laughs) right? So that being said that you gave us your description and maybe a little bit of the background as far as why people gravitate towards these or maybe the fact that they're not all that new. They're just packaged a little bit differently. Why don't we pick a couple? And we talked about this briefly before we hit record, but I know you have expertise in a couple of these things that are talked about um, very frequently on the media. So why don't we pick a couple of them um, and kind of go down those paths? So out of these that you see in the media, what is one that you talk about the most with your clients or one that you find yourself maybe dispelling a lot of myths around. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we can pick a couple. Um, big one is ketogenic diets. Mm-hmm. And the second one we can probably talk about is like Whole30 slash Paleo, uh, mm-hmm. which I think are pretty um, pretty trendy ones. And so let's start off with like uh, ketogenic diets and, and then going back to like the root of why people follow it. Because I, I, in some cases, there's obviously a health component of it. Right. And in many of these programs and many of these diets, like they do have like some some in some way, shape or form could have some research to support them. And, you know, starting off with ketogenic diets, um, definitions first. So the ketogenic diet is one um, that pushes carbohydrates low enough, uh, almost to the point of completely eliminating them to essentially and then increasing your fat to substitute the lack of calories you're getting out of like um, um, carbohydrates, maintaining moderate protein intake to really push your body 
to produce ketones, which is another substrate that your body, like glucose, which is another kind, uses, um, and your brain also uses as well as a source of fuel. When you, if us humans, we have the ability to sustain life, like for days without food, not without hydration, hydration without uh, water would be probably two to three days, but then depending that we actually consume enough fluids, we can, uh, the average human can sustain life for 20 to 30 days without any kind of food. And that is done through a series of processes in the body. Um, it's kind of like starvation mechanism. If you were stranded in an island and then the only thing available was water, you would be able to sustain things because your body kind of adjusts its metabolism to to be able to sustain based on ketones, which are basically the, the byproduct of fat metabolism. Mm -hmm. So keto, ketogenic diets is the definition of it. And they, they do have a huge scientific component. And it makes sense because they had been around for centuries. It's been applied to children with epilepsy because they have issues with brain metabolism and all these different things that they do have really strong research to support them. The problem is, again, they repackage them to be able to put them into a way that you are now seeing it as a weight loss solution. So ketogenic diets are getting a lot of track nowadays from the weight loss world because you do achieve a very quick like um, weight number loss, not necessarily mm -hmm. fat loss. That's mm -hmm. a big difference that exists between that. And the reason for that is because when you drop carbohydrates so much, glycogen, which is your reserves of carbohydrates in your body, you'll find in muscle and you'll find it in liver, they tend to drop. And with that, water actually, like when you think about a glycogen molecule, it's basically glucose stored in, your, in, your, in those like two parts. They're kind of like, and both of their hands are actually attached to a couple of water molecules. So you do mm -hmm. have a lot more water, you know, store in muscle and liver. And when you drop those levels, guess what's going to happen to your water levels are going to actually drop as well. And therefore, weight is going to have a tremendous shift down. And obviously, the number on the scale will drop. And that's the number one rule of a fat diet. If it provides a quick result, most likely it's going to turn into something that is going to be attractive for many people to follow. The problem that exists and the thing behind ketogenic diets, there is a health component of it, of course. There's a lot of applications for brain metabolism and brain issues like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And I have actually worked in, in research facilities that use this stuff even for brain cancer applications. And I coach this and some, and some clients for, that have those kinds of things and even metabolic diseases. The problem is when somebody follows this just for the perspective of fat loss because, or weight loss because they feel like, well, they eat carbs and they don't, nothing ever happens. And they see this as like their, the next magic thing that they can start to implement to be able to accomplish a result. When in reality, what ketogenic diets do is, first of all, they, they, because of the fat content of this diet, you actually have lower like, um, uh, appetite because simply like fat takes mm -hmm. longer to digest. So you do have some changes in like, you know, some hormones that affect your appetite. And therefore, you tend to eat less calories, therefore creating a caloric restriction or caloric deficit, which leads to the long-term weight loss that you may achieve as a result of a ketogenic diet. But as I usually say, that is not the only way to accomplish that if you're a healthy individual. It's just, like I said, it's just the promise. Number one, when somebody tells you you can eat all the bacon, all the cheese, and all <laughs> the eggs in the world that you want, like that sounds like a pretty awesome thing to, to do. Like I could do that. Actually, I've done it for a year because I'm a big fan of like, I'm a guinea pig. I like to try different things. And then for a 
long period of time, it's not that fun after a while. So overall, like the summary of it is that it's, it's the one that I hear the most about in the way I coach a lot of people about, but at the same time, I always ask the question, why did you want to follow it? And when the reasoning is not convincing enough for me to say like, Hey, listen, I am actually coaching a person that has, um, you know, a brain type of tumor in, Mm -hmm. in South Africa and we're experimenting with ketogenic diets because there's a therapeutic benefit associated with it, not because of the weight loss aspect of things. So that's a person that may be a candidate for that because there's no other thing that we could try that maybe like could work. So that's just like a difference that exists whenever somebody would actually follow something because it's a fat versus to treat a condition and hopefully maybe even save their lives. Mm-hmm. And I hope anyone who's listening, I hope they just like rewind and listen again and rewind and listen again. Because again, the way that- It's a lot of information. (laughs) It is a lot of information. And I'm like nodding my head because I'm like, yes, like preach it, right? Because again, as I told you before we even started the podcast, I don't go into this much detail on these specific diets here on the podcast, but I think it's so beneficial to have someone who can come on here and do this because we hear about these fads and we, we think about them very linearly, right? We think keto, I eat all the bacon and then I lose the weight, right? That is really the only thing that is really portrayed in the media, right? It's like eat a lot of fatty foods and then achieve this body composition that you want, which you just described may not actually be what you're getting because a lot of the weight that is seen that you will lose, especially in the beginning, is water weight because you don't have the water attached to those glycogen stores. So I hope anyone who's listening has a greater understanding of the background of keto and that it does have many therapeutic approaches for people with those conditions like you were talking about. However, for the general population, if it's not something that you're going to want to do for a long period of time, that you're going to be happy with, that you're going to feel satisfied with, then I think there's a lot to be said for checking your reasoning at the door before you step in. And that is something that I always say to anyone who comes to me asking about any type of diet. I say, hey, like there's a purpose that for everything, right? Like everything exists for a reason. Like you said, this has been around for a really long time, but if it's not going to fit into your life in a way that improves your physical and your mental health, because we know that restricting a major macronutrient food group for some people who don't have to, it may lead them down the road of taking away from their mental health and their emotional health. So if that's going to take you down that road, then there's probably other approaches to look at. But I love that you pointed out, hey, this has been around for a really long time. And yeah, it can get a really bad rap, but for some people, maybe it is going to be a positive therapeutic approach. So thank you, Ketogenic Master, for your description (laughs) on that one. And let's just, let's touch briefly as well on the Whole30, because this one is one that I'm very passionate about um, talking about and just kind of dispelling some myths around. So why don't you give us your opinion on Whole30 or, or what that even entails? So Whole30, like the word says, is like, well, first of all, it's well, the first, another rule, I guess, like in, in some fats is like they actually have a start and end point. So Whole30, it's thirty technically 30 days mm-hmm. in which you consume all whole foods. Like you eliminate all processed items. Everything is from the ground, from the animal, but just nothing is um, like it's pasteurized, it's processed, like everything comes from, you know, natural, it's most natural sources. I love it. That's great. And I think most people look at it as an amazing way to achieve the results. 
because they're eliminating a lot of crap out of the diet. And that's usually like the biggest reasoning behind that. Now, there is like the, 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 there's a lot more reasoning that goes behind like the, the scientific or, or the scientific reasoning behind like Whole30, for example, like resetting your gut health and doing all these different things. And of course, like we can go on in all these details, but, but the, the, the overall picture is essentially you're going back to eating, you know, how most of our diet should look like, which is actually wholesome foods. Now, is it a fat? I think people should eat more of that. Like if 80% of your diet is kind of like whole 30, like at all given times. And you do have, because we live in it. Like this is where people like sometimes like the whole paleo pushers and everything like they don't understand. We live in the 21st century. Like if paleolithic people would have had access to like <laughs> all these things that we have now, they would not be eating the way that they were eating back then. You know, it's, right. it's like, it's a common thing. And we evolve. We're humans. Like if we were eating like these people that were like, sort of like a really hybrid between a monkey and and a human you know like we evolved and we we learned to adapt because a lot of times like a lot of pushes you know of, of paleo and all these different diets are like well we don't have the 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 genes or the stuff to, to process dairy. Well, they didn't have it. Now we do because we have evolved. That's how we actually still thousands of years later, we're still around. We have not, you know, we have not been extinguished. So that's why a lot of times like people like to see the perspective that they like to see and whole 30 and paleo are one of the ways that they do it. Because again, it's what we call, what they call also ancestral eating. And I do 100% support it. I think we need to go more back to our roots and eat more like wholesome foods that come from the ground. Um, a lot of plants, a lot of fruits, a lot of things of that sort. But that doesn't mean that just because something is processed, it doesn't mean that it's poison and we cannot have it. You know, and literally I, I posted this about the other day. I really doubt that like 40 to 50 years now from, you know, from, from now, whenever we're still living and kicking and, and, you know, and, and, ex, you know, because obviously we, we change a lot of our perspective, especially as dietitians that say we're going to mm-hmm. live like until 100, but you never know what happens. But um, <laughs> I don't think people are going to be talking about, remember, like I told you not to eat that pop tart because, you know, when, remember when you were 31 and a half years old and I told you not to eat that pop tart, look at you. Like, you know, it's, it's, we're not going to have these conversations down the road. And I feel like right now we live in a society where, we criticize and we, ju- we judge so many people based on the decisions and the choices that they make about their food because we can all be right about anything. Like I had a conversation with one of my friends, like you need to do the alkaline diet. That's another one. We probably can leave it for another t- topic of conversation. <laughs> you need to do alkaline water. It's like, why? Because it has all these benefits. And then I pulled up a research article saying that it doesn't. He found a research article that says it does. So you can all, everybody can be right. So that's why me as a dietitian, I try not to get into debates because I don't think it's worth it. I don't think we'll ever get it to any kind of point because people will always like to believe what they want to believe and they'll do and find any information that they can to be able to support their views. Mm -hmm. Hence, for example, plant-based versus people that eat meat. It's so really like different when it comes down to some of the stuff that, you know, in, in Whole30 and Paleo are just some examples of that. Mm-hmm. And I think too, something that, that you're talking about that I'm very passionate about, um, I, and this might even, I think I commented this on the post that you're referring to, but as you said, I mean, as I said a couple of moments ago, when we talk about food or, or diets, it can become very cultish and people are very firm in their beliefs a lot of the time. So you're going to look for evidence to support what you believe. And you're going to find that because there's a lot of evidence out there, nutrition, it's kind of a newer science. We still don't know a lot and we're still learning a lot. But something that I tell all of my clients, again, that I commented on your post was 
my plate, my business. So if one of these things that we're talking about really works for a listener and they love it and they feel really good and it's not taking away from their life in any way, shape or form, then amazing. Like your plate, your business. If someone else needs to do something else entirely, something entirely different to support their physical and mental well-being than their plate, their business. Yeah. But I think kind of when it when it comes to whole 30, my main issue with whole 30 is in the name, right? It says the timestamp in the name of it. So if anything is going to last you for 30 days, sure, you may learn something or you may feel some type of way in that period of time. But many people, again, I only speak from the experience that I've had with the people who I know, but many people come out of these 30 days. And I was actually having a conversation with a client who had done this in the past. She said, I exited that 30 day period and it had instilled in me a lot of fear towards those foods that I couldn't have while on it. Kind of like you were saying earlier, like the Pop-Tart, right? Well, sure. Our ancestors may not have eaten Pop-Tarts because they didn't grow on trees, but we live in the 21st century and we have access to these foods and they do have some nutritional components that our body can use. So why are we going to involve ourselves in something for the purpose of a short amount of time that may instill in us fear of these foods that we now have access to? I really, truly, and honestly believe what you said, like eating a variety of different foods, even if our ancestor didn't have access to them, it's not going to kill us unless we're allergic to it or unless we really don't need to be eating that food. So we don't really need to be having these huge polarizing beliefs that serve to instill in us that sense of fear of like, well, what happens on day 31? Yeah. <laughs> right? and, and I think also like it was the, the post that you're talking, you're referring to when I kind of said, you know, mind your own business as far as like, you know, judging other people's plates. It's crazy to think because like the, my most like, you know, you and me and like my, like the, the, the dietitians and the nutrition coaches that I look up to the most, they're not going around like plates. Like they, we are the authority to be able to do this, yet we don't do it. Like I guess, mm-hmm. like, like I said, like the, the most respectful people that I know, because there are there there are some cases out there, but we don't go around like our you know like the the kitchen table or like in in the middle of like a social event and says like, hey, you should probably eat more vegetables into add more vegetables into that plate, or you should probably do this or you should probably do that. We don't do that. Usually, people that do strong uh, are strongly opinionated about food are people that are even doing a specific diet and is working for them and they're trying to instill it in other people without mm-hmm. any kind of le- education whatsoever on why it's actually working for them. And a lot of times, this is what I see and I overhear this stuff all the time. You go to the grocery store, I'm like picking something up and I hear, you know, Brenda and Nancy talking about, you know, like the, 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 the this thing. No, no, you need to do this. No, no, you need to do that. And I'm like, I'm just like listening into it and just laughing. Because in my head, because it's, it's, again, it's strong opinions about something that you don't have full education about. And, and that's why, like, literally, like, I was just thinking about the other day. It's like, we don't ever go around. And some people that know that I'm a dietitian, they're sitting down in, the, in their plate, like, thinking that I'm going to say something. And I'm like, eat the damn pizza. Like, what's, you know, what's <laughs> the problem? So, like, you know, I'm not here to judge uh, you or I'm not here the food police. I'm going to here to tell you you're doing this right or wrong. And I feel like there's just so much misconceptions about not only us dietitians, what we do, but also how people build their plates and what they do. Of course, there's many people that could have better plates and they can build their stuff better and they can have more education and, and maybe struggling in many different ways because of like the diet culture and stuff. But then 
it's it's one step at a time that we need to fix and we don't need to be going around like you know just kind of like judging people about what they do but with this fad diets i feel like just you know kind of like it's a strong takeaway from all this is you need to become educated on on how they work like what's the reasoning behind it and is there any other way in which i don't need to restrict myself with x y or z to be able to accomplish like the outcome that I'm trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. you know, understanding why you're doing them is going to be the main driver as to help you make a decision whether you should embark on that journey or not. Make sense? Makes total sense. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think we could even draw a parallel between what you just said and what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode when you were kind of giving us the definition of how do you identify a fad diet or why do people even go down that road? And something that you said is they're pretty easily identifiable if they offer that big promise, like, like that big lofty thing. And they have a lot of ways and rules and restrictions for you to get there. I think we can um, draw a similar parallel to if you're looking looking for a nutrition professional or someone to help you debunk a lot of these myths or learn about your body or learn or educate yourself behind the reasoning behind these diets or how food works, you can really look towards the people who are not saying, hey, eat this, not that, or you shouldn't be doing that. Or, and are you really going to eat that, right? Because those people may be the people who are following the fad that they don't really know the reasoning behind, or they're trying to get someone you know, to come stand by their fire, right? If we're talking about the cult mentality. So really, if you're looking for a dietitian, a nutrition professional, a nutrition coach, look for the ones who are out there like you and I, like many other colleagues that we have who, sure, we have opinions and we have different methodologies through which we teach nutrition, but we're never going to walk into a room and look at someone's plate and say, man, you should feel ashamed for eating that way. You need to eat this way instead. Because if we know one thing to be true, shaming people or making them feel bad or guilty is not a way to create a positive environment around health, you know, education, nutrition, any of these things. So bottom line, I guess, for anyone who's listening, if what you are doing right now or who you are listening to is invoking a lot of shame or negativity in your life or your eating patterns or how you view them, stop listening to them. (laughs) Like move away and find something different. So my friend, this has been wonderful. Like I told you before we even hopped on the podcast, we, or you rather, I didn't get too sciencey. I left that to the master himself, but you even brought a little bit of science and nutrition and physiology to the table that we haven't really had here on the podcast before. So I hope everyone who is listening comes away with a better understanding of these two diets specifically, the keto and the Whole30 and why they even exist and maybe just having a better understanding of how they do or don't fit into their life after listening to you talk. So that being said, you talk a ton about this kind of stuff and lots of other trends and other fads on your pages. So if anyone is hearing you speak and they want more from the the dietitian who was once going to be a doctor, but you know, stayed a dietitian, where can they find you um, and where do you hang out? Yeah, so two places. Uh, first and most direct place you can uh, chat with me and, and have fun and, you know, where the cool kids are hanging out with at. It's going to be in my uh, my Instagram account. So it's, uh, I have two, but, uh, you know, you can kind of find me directly on and, at Andres Ayesta, A-N-D-R-E-S, and my last name, A-Y-E-S-T-A. 
Um, you can also visit my website at www.vive-nutrition.com, uh, which is actually the name of my company that I founded, which is called Viva Nutrition. Um, and those are the two places where you can find out more about what I do, how I teach, how I coach. And um, yeah, that's, that's, those are the main places. And we'll also plug your podcast. Tell them the name of your podcast, your show. It's called, yeah, absolutely. It's called Viva Nutrition Radio, which I've had the pleasure to have you on uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah, you could definitely check it out. It's more about performance, fitness, health. Um, and I bring in, you know, guests and, and we do like all kinds of like chit chat series and, and just educational stuff, but also mindset stuff and, and how you can improve your life in all kinds of aspects and facets and, um, and how to basically optimize human health. Love it. And if um, you, you mentioned your chit chat series there on the podcast, and yeah. I'm a big fan personally of the chit chat series between you and, and our Tony friend Castillo. Tony. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I was taking a road trip the other weekend and I had like four hours in the car and I was scrolling through all my friends' podcasts and I was like, who am I going to listen to today? And I landed on yours and I was on the chit chat series about vitamin D. And you guys have really inspired me to be more aware of my vitamin D levels, especially since we're getting into fall and winter. So just wanted to let you know and anyone else who's maybe listening who wants two dietitians chit-chatting about all of the nutrition stuff give Vivian nutrition radio a subscribe a listen can you follow a podcast i don't know all the things but <laughs> like i said this has been wonderful to connect i'm truly grateful for you coming on the podcast if anyone who's listening doesn't follow you already go give him a follow he produces amazing content and without further ado yours truly claire and andres Thank you so much. Hey there, me again. Hope you enjoyed today's myth-busting edition, continuing our theme here of the Yours Chili podcast. As always, if you like this episode, if you like any episodes or find any value at all in what we share here on the Yours Chili podcast, please do not hesitate to leave that five-star rating. And if you have a couple of extra minutes and you feel so moved, type a review or a, a rating. Not quite sure which one is the rating which one is the review, but you know what I mean, so that the podcast can continue to grow and this message can reach more of the individuals who might need to hear it. As always, if you're listening on your device and you feel so inclined to take a screenshot and post it to social media, you can give me a tag to let me know what you are learning and I would be forever grateful. But that is all we have for you here today. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day and an awesome rest of your week and we'll see you back here next Wednesday on the Yours Julie podcast. Bye.